0: Hello and welcome to the back page of video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. How's it going? Where to start, really, with what's uh, what's been going down? It's fucking freezing in a bath. I don't know if you've noticed that. I've been struggling to just like, you know, stay warm. I think it's like quadruple the amount of calories I've been consuming the last few days. We were on a train <laughs> yesterday together coming back from London. Yeah, randomly we, we ended up on
1: a train together.
0: It was actually really fun. You should tell me next time you go to London and I'll make sure that I'm going the same day on the off chance. So we can um, line that up. I enjoyed that. But uh, I explained to you how much food I'd eaten um, that day. I think it was a shockingly large I- amount. But yeah.
1: I bought a bottle of flavored water, which I found abnormally sweet.
0: <laughs> and you complained about it after every single sip. I noted that. Um, you've got also gone big on the Hotel Chocolat velvetizer. Do you want to talk about this addition <laughs> to your, your life and your home setup?
1: We got a velvetizer for Christmas uh, from Catherine's mum, and it's life changing. I mean, it's like. It's a very dangerous thing to have because, I listen, I know hot chocolate isn't the hardest thing to make it, but a velvetizer makes it incredibly easy because you just pour milk in up to the line, put in the sachet of perfectly weighed out uh, proportion of chocolate flakes, press a button, and two minutes later, you've got the perfect uh, you know, cup of hot chocolate. And it's like having like a little meth factory or something in the kitchen. It's like yeah. I'm, I'm only ever... <laughs> two and a half minutes max from having hot chocolate, which <laughs> makes all the difference from how it was before with saucepans and whatnot. So yes, uh, I'm going big on that. We got given a a big box of sachets of different blends for the Velvetizer, which we've been working through. And I've singled out the salted caramel blend as the sweetest and so my favorite. So what you saw happen yesterday was I'd just bought a box of salted caramel velvetizer sachets from Hotel Chocolat in Paddington Station. <laughs> it must have seemed like a parody of myself to bump into me in the train station holding a Hotel Chocolat shopping bag.
0: I didn't even fucking blink. I was like, oh, yeah, of course he does. You know what I mean? We're beyond parody at this point. I'm just like, yeah, yeah you know, the parody is part of the is part of the program. So, uh, yeah, yeah. very good.
1: That's what's going on with me. Yeah, <laughs> excellent
0: stuff. So, this episode then is a mailbag it is going to be slightly briefer than some of our more recent mailbags so there'll be less banging on at the start here and more banging
1: on i suppose when we get into the questions that was a solid two minutes on the velvetizer
0: yeah i think so will that go up you know sort of be remembered as one of the great pod bits of the back page i'm 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 not sure no probably
1: (laughs) not they're they're few and far between these days (laughs) Everyone's just like play their hit, play their hit, play Randy Newman being lowered in a car at E three. <laughs> we were like, that was two years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're so much more sophisticated now, no we're not. <laughs> um did you see actually in the Pod Law channel of the Discord someone dropped in like it's a viral tweet of DS um, dame judy dench going around from, yeah. uh, from well i don't i can't remember which game it was from actually um but uh actually i'll just double check that it might have been bloodstone oh, should i actually it's, yeah it was bloodstone. I, I tell you
1: what i mean I, I don't know what the intention is behind that tweet but i think that's a pretty good judy dench for a ds i think the ds
0: is doing all right i mean that's a, <laughs> i think that's a better judy dench than the ds did like pikachu for example do you know what i mean like, yes yeah. that's, yeah, that's a, yeah, a better
1: judy dench than ps hagrid
0: I I did almost like go with dime Judy Dench as my kind of like uh, tweet Uh to go along with that, but I thought, you know what, I just can't be bothered. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But Um, yeah,
1: I was like, you know, I think the DS is punching above its weight there. Like, you can look at that and you're like, that is clearly Dame Judy Dench.
0: Definitely. There's a guy in the background who who is more ambiguous. There's like, yeah. uh,
1: like someone has to pay the price for the amount (laughs) of uh, polygons in Judy Dench. (laughs) And it's that guy.
0: Judy Dench was like a week of work for an artist. That guy was like a day of work, basically. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's <laughs> he was, good. He
1: was made from the offcuts of Judy Dench. <laughs>
0: yeah the remnant of judy dench um okay good stuff so uh yeah we've wasted a bit of time there so um we have a bunch of questions to go through here uh to the listeners who have submitted questions between uh christmas and new year if we miss some of these here i'm sorry about that um if we've we've gone past them and you feel like it's a good question you'd like us to answer feel free to drop (laughs) it back into pod questions and we'll try i think all these questions are good
1: (laughs) you couldn't possibly be suggesting that they're just putting in (laughs) things here for the sake of being noticed not at
0: all, Matthew. i have a lot of respect for our listeners asterisk um, but um no it's basically because like uh some of them for example angry kurt has asked in a surprise announcement announcement rockstar decided to sell the next gta set the next gta in bath and if i had you to script one of the missions i think we did that in a previous episode <laughs> i think we did that in the um gta clones on trial and you came up with your sort of bath open world game and i think um i think that was a thing that happened and uh <laughs> I think, like, did you say that the Roman baths would be in your game or something like that? Oh, and, uh... if,
1: if you if you're doing GTA in Bath, that's kind of i'd say that's one of like three places you have to put in (laughs) the other the the crescent and the abbey just in case you care to yeah definitely and then like uh you know i I think like i made i don't
0: think i made maybe i didn't make this joke but like the jc's kitchen appearing can be like the ufo in gta 5 where you're like oh i've heard this myth that there's like a jc's kitchen thing that appears on some days (laughs) when it's not raining in the open world Anyway, I guess that kind of is an answer to that one. But we're going to go through some uh, some of the questions we've had here. Okay, so personal to dear. This first question is from 17th of November. So that's kind of where we're starting. Hello, Samuel and Matthew. Over your careers to date, how did writing about games change, if at all? Were there trends you noticed in your peers? And do you think this approach to a review has shifted significantly from when you first started to the present? God, sorry. It's uh, been a day, so I'm reading that um very incoherently. But writing style of reviews, Matthew, has that changed significantly since we started? I think, like, my answer to this would be, like, a lot of the sort of tonal... Roughness of the, you know, the naughties has been purged, like the kind of like more lads Maggie writing. You might get some <laughs> more the kind of turns of phrase and stuff like that. I don't know if I'd say that the review writing is any better necessarily. Like I think that there's probably like other ways in which it's changed actually. Like maybe you get less of the itemized list of how things are reviewed. Like the now we're doing the paragraph on the audio. Now there's the paragraph for the graphics and things like that. And maybe it's mm. more of a kind of like a more consistent sort of piece. Like you never read a movie review that does that about the and all the sound. Or maybe you would have like a paragraph of about a Hans Zimmer soundtrack or something like that but um I think it's yeah I guess like it's it's changed and it hasn't changed I don't know like I I think I would read a review from about 15 years ago 16 years ago and still pretty much enjoy it as much as I'd enjoy a review now but what do you think Matthew?
1: Yeah I think you're definitely right about it being less sladdy um these days I think if you put any slang for uh, breasts in review text it would be frowned upon <laughs> um, and there was a there was a lot of that in games mags even innocent ones it wasn't necessarily laddie it was just sort of silly and cheeky a bit more carry on i think and i guess the sh- the shift that definitely was happening when i was on magazines was the idea of vanishing into a brand and being part of this kind of collective whole versus this more individual take Thing which was which was emerging, particularly in PC games, writing and people like Kieran Gillen and whatnot were kind of pushing for this lot more lived-in experience, which was quite kind of I wouldn't say it was. At- anti I don't think they were like they they hated the magazine style but that was very different and now that is the predominant form like there's a lot of people's personal experience and why this game resonated with me because of this and that is in vogue I'm still kind of quite old-fashioned in how I write about games I think I don't think I've lived an exciting enough life to to have a huge amount of input on how how games reflect experiences I've had because I haven't had many experiences so you know you sometimes read these things where they're like this really reminded me of when i was a bouncer in a nightclub in thailand and you're like (laughs) what the fuck Uh, you know like i worked in home base i mean (laughs) if, if there's a game with a paint mixing mini game then you know sign me up i got a lot of personal takes but um yeah i'd say that's that's the difference i was never a. here's my graphics paragraph here's my sound paragraph but i am quite meat and potatoes in terms of, I cover some of the basics. I'm quite old fashioned that way. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I've forgotten how to do uh, to do it to a large extent. I remember the last <clears throat> review I I, uh, I I wrote before I moved into PR was Deathloop, and I had forgotten exactly what I was doing. And then, like, there was a lot of like writing and rewriting and like oh how do these how do this start again and do I have a, do I have this like do I have like a, the what the waffly paragraph at um, the start where I'm like time what a concept you know like sometimes you get the, sometimes you get those reviews you know what I mean where it's like you know you take two paragraphs to sort of go around the block before you get to what you're aiming for and I don't know if I was ever much of those kind of reviewers it's kind of like I was kind of straight in there really um but yeah and I, I think you make a good point about that lived and experienced thing like um i've definitely mentioned it before but like uh phil uh savage reviewing the pub from um everybody's gone to the rapture uh, as someone who worked right. in a pub once that was good or like i think we hired um i think someone on pc Gamer hired a farmer to review starchy valley and that was like a massive piece <laughs> that year that it went live so yeah yeah good stuff really but um yeah, I don't have any relevant experience. There are no games that you play as like a, a shopkeeper, like on weekends in
1: like a small town in Hampshire. It's not a thing that ever happens. So um... <laughs> it should exist, though. That's the kind of game that if you made that here, it would become a massive curio to Japanese people in the same <laughs> way that those games about the summer holidays that are only ever released in Japan are like obsessed over by Western fans. <laughs> yeah, um, it would be like um, you know a sort
0: of a ten-pound Steam game here, but sold in a PS5 box in. Um in japan and
1: uh for like 50 for like 50 quid yes. <laughs> there'd be a japanese equivalent of tim rogers <laughs> doing a four-hour video essay about like oh my god i love how much dog shit you step in in this game is that <laughs> really what england's like <laughs> i'd love to do
0: uh, what i could do is like um basically when i when i worked in one stop but i don't know why i'm talking about this because i'm probably <laughs> using up half the episode time doing this this is fine but um uh, <laughs> basically i used to have to manage the like paper rounds uh and like go through these big books and like people had to pay their bills they had to tick them off and all this stuff i do like papers please but it's like i have to decide whether some old lady gets her copy of the telegraph this week that's like basically what i do it's like agnes no no telegraph for you and it's like barbara she can have her daily mail do you know what i mean like that'd be my it'd be like that sounds like, be like a great to- game tory papers please basically yeah. <laughs> that's what i would do oh okay very good um okay so do you want to do this next question about biscuits matthew and uh oh just, where's that yeah scroll down a few days uh, to the listeners normally we have a very arranged oh, plan yeah. this one's a little bit more flying We're by the a
1: bit more punch. loose this year this is the <laughs> new back page no i just didn't have time to make the plan that next time we'll, we'll have a plan lads Uh, This is from the Food Channel on Discord. Which three biscuits would you get rid of and which three would you eat all day, every day? (laughs) Feel free to expand the remit to cover various chocolate or flavoured variants. I mean, the biscuits, for for anyone who's interested, uh, are Hobnob, Chocolate Bourbon, Digestive, Vienna, Nice... Is that Nice or Nice? Nice? (laughs) Don't know, like coconut, basically. Jammy Dodger... No, no, as in the biscuit, nice. Is that nice or is it nice? No, no, I know what you're asking, but I was saying it's basically the
0: coconut one, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Oh, wait, yeah. right, sorry, I thought you were saying, I, was, I thought you thought I was asking whether you thought a Vienna was nice, and then I was asking whether <laughs> that word is pronounced nice. Don't worry, let's my go God. Great, let's go great this episode. A Garibaldi, a rich tea, malted milk, custard cream, ginger nut, pink wafer, Cadbury finger, Viennese whirl. Oh, I thought that was a Viennese a Jaffa Cake, or a Fox's Crunch Cream. 16 biscuits, but uh, it's like a draft, really, isn't it? Um, So what, you've got to get rid of three of these, and then three of these you eat the rest of your days? Yeah. So I'd
0: get rid of the nice slash nice biscuit, no problem. (laughs) Um, That'd be fine. Um, I think I would also get rid of the custard cream. I've had a lot of bad ones over the years, and maybe it's because when I was a child, like, these were the cheapest biscuits you could get. you get, like, a big pack of them for 25p or something, and uh, there was no real flavour to them. And... I think I'd probably also get rid of the Garibaldi. That's not really my sort of thing. Uh, so that, that's actually quite easy to eliminate three there. And the three I'd eat all day, every day would be <laughs> the uh, Jammy Dodger, uh,
1: the Pink... What? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like a party food. That's a once-in-a-while party <laughs> food. It seems attractive because you can't eat it all the time. <laughs> I mean, you can as an adult, but I think if you had to eat it all day, every day, you'd soon get sick of a Jammy Dodger. But
0: that's true for all biscuits, surely. It's I not don't like- know. What's like a casual biscuit then? Well, we that like is, that's what the exercise is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you know, I suppose rich tea is like a biscuit you could eat all day, every day. But like, <laughs> but I would still, I would think it's about me. I've got a relentless sweet tooth, so yeah, keep yeah. the jammy dodger. Cadbury finger, and I'd want a hobnob to offset the rest of them, basically. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of contrast there for you. Okay. Matthew, Matthew, what do you got?
1: Uh, you see, I'd get rid of the Cadbury finger. I think the Cadbury finger is rank, because it's like bad biscuit and not enough chocolate. It's like, just be chocolate or just be a good biscuit. Don't be this kind of middle ground. I'd probably <laughs> get rid of the pink wafer. Again, because it's associated with birthday parties. I'd probably get rid of I really don't rate jammy Dodgers, so jammy Dodgers... And then the three I'd eat all day, every day. <laughs> well, quite like a Jaffa Cake, actually. Oh, yeah, they're good. You
0: can, like, get through a pack of those no problem as well.
1: They're like air. Eh. Oh, yeah, I can demolish Jaffa
0: Cakes. It's like breathing.
1: Yeah, probably. Hobnob is really strong. Is it boring? I digest. I do like a digestive.
0: No, it's digestive just... is like a good sort of middle ground between, like, something a bit sweeter and a rich tea biscuit. I find it's yeah. like, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rich tea
1: is just, I don't like the, the finish on it. You know? <laughs> the text is too smooth, it's too like matte. the, f- the finish the <laughs> finish on the rip, whatever they've done to that fucking thing in the factory, I don't like it stop stop varnishing the rich teas, that's you, yeah, spoke. so yeah. uh hobnob digestive and jaffa cake I mean I don't know what that means for the other like nine options yeah maybe you
0: can eat those sometimes you know like you do now basically but um well um
1: yeah. there you go I hope that was um lightning for you mad brood <laughs> oh knackered after that
0: okay uh next one um Roboku uh, hello Samuel and Matthew apologies if this has been asked before but what sort of note taking do you do when playing games? Do you keep a journal even when not playing for work? What tools do you use, and what do you write? Thanks. Well, I'm not a journalist anymore, so. Uh, but even when I was a journalist, I didn't take any notes, really. To be honest, like the. Um, oh, nice. Which is a bit stupid, but I suppose like I, my reviews were just quite experiential. I'm quite big on. If you looked at my early the early drafts of my of my writing, they they are basically the notes, like the i would write clumps of sentences that would turn into full paragraphs later on and then piece them together i don't even know how i would have functioned as a writer without word processing software basically so that's my version of taking notes but actual notes notes the only time i can think of doing this was um (laughs) was jindosh's lock in dishonored 2 where if you basically looked at my (laughs) ipad there was a document of what looked like um a sort of like year four students maths homework and it's just just like the, the some of the dumbest things you've ever seen basically uh what about you matthew
1: Originally I used to take notes of things like the specific names of places, just because I'd often get them wrong if I just tried to remember them, so like the names of Mario Galaxy Galaxies when I was playing for review, but in terms of actual like review notes I've never been that big on it, I always think the stuff I remember is the good stuff, like if it jumps out enough or if it stays in my head then it's worth talking about. If i don't remember it it's probably not worth talking about as a rule if anything if i wrote everything down i'd just have choice paralysis when i came to writing because it's like here's every thought you had to, you know remembered in this like artificial way the one thing i might write is sometimes i'm playing a game i think of a line or a joke or something that i want to put in a review and i might write that down right yeah that makes sense okay
0: that's <laughs> that's basically you as a sort of like uh, amateur stand-up comedian basically well uh, no but, but
1: more like lines like an opening line for the review or like a finishing line perhaps of like this little point here or this character or this mission is a neat anecdote for this whole game I might write that down just to remind myself, but um, generally, no. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, I think you're quite good at those kind of like
0: ziggers as well, like you know, like a, <laughs> a funny little line Thanks. to pull you into the review. I think that's definitely something that you you, you thrive at. So that makes sense. Uh, okay, should we go for this? Oh, that's it. Like, a, there's a there's a, quite a few Christmas questions here. Who didn't? Uh, from listeners who didn't compute that we um oh. we weren't doing any more mailbags in December, and I was like three days away from taking off on an airplane when these were sent. So I think we skip those, Matthew, because they don't really make sense in January, mm-hmm. do they? Um, so uh, apologies, uh, Ryan plugs. You can ask your question about most liked Christmas foods and snacks. Uh, in like November next this year. Oh, so, uh, that's
1: a bummer I've got a good Terry's chocolate orange story, but
0: oh well. well I mean, I'm not going to deny the listeners that. Go ahead,
1: well, Matthew. Well, no, I, I I could tell next year. <laughs>
0: Had to so wait a whole year for that story. Amazing. They will paywall the story on uh, on Patreon or something. I don't know. Um, okay, we did get asked when do you open your presents? Is it before dinner? Correct or after dinner? Weird behavior. But we actually covered that on the holiday special,
1: didn't we? So, mm.
0: uh, okay. Uh, this question from N K on the twenty seventh
1: of November, Matthew. Do you want to read that one out? Question obviously. Uh, (laughs) Any chance that uh, Samuel and Matthew would revisit their previous drafts but limit themselves to games that are five or six out of tens and below. (sighs) Might be fun to hear if you gents could salvage a console or year with those conditions or it might devolve into creating a cursed meme list and this premise doesn't have any merit. (laughs) (laughs) I think five or six is a bit too harsh. I don't think you'd
0: actually get good insight and i don't think you get things that we actually like and therefore can contribute any value to they'd just be like yeah i guess i'll pick you know like the simpsons wrestling that's a bad example because that's a three but you know
1: also there's there's not really enough games that get like low enough scores like even back in in the olden days i think if you did a metacritic of it those times you, you know you're still looking at a lot of like sevens and above i could see like doing one draft of like bad games right yeah rather than like every draft bad game variation
0: (laughs) yeah like that's sort of seven out of ten draft might be fun as well as an idea but i guess we kind of did the best seven out of ten games that covered a lot of like the classics yeah um
1: but you could you could do a draft where you're trying to sort of find things which the consensus was kind of wrong on like what like how many gems are there six and below on metacritic are there any as an exercise and then maybe go into, like, why we think some of those cases, you know, went a bit wrong or why those games have been re-evaluated. Could be something in that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I quite like that. But, uh, yeah, bit of a tricky one, generally, that. that's
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's bit, yeah, it's definitely... Um, I think, like, the problem is with the draft. You don't want to ever give yourself too many restrictions because... These sort of infinite possibilities are why drafts are exciting, uh, combined with the very obvious, like, get these off the board first things.
1: It is funny when you've got infinite possibilities and then you still manage to shit the bed, or more <laughs> specifically, I still manage to shit the bed. Yeah. I think that's part of the drafts charm. I think you've still won more than half the drafts, Matthew. So again, the underdog thing, I never really get with you and But drafts, it's like red. F- it's like, you, you know... Y- you're given enough rope to select Red Faction <laughs> as as the best first-person shooter on PS2.
0: Yeah, there's also two drafts. I think I did basically just like cheat and and ruin it for you. Which was the Wii draft where I picked the Metroid Prime trilogy. That was probably like a bit too rude, really, in retrospect. And then um, obviously the Golden Eye and Perfect Dark thing. But then people um, revolted against that and uh, made me lose. So uh, you know, it's uh, it's fine. It's it balances out all right then um i made a joke underneath that that jet force gemini becomes the hot pick for the n64 draft in that case um continuing my dunks on uh,
1: on that game from rare matthew so um <laughs> very good very just good. let it be known sam did dunk on jet force gemini <laughs> it's, never <laughs> yeah, it's never happened before. discord
0: yes never happened before okay next questions from the low standard hello gents i have a theory that most journalists were cast as the narrator in their school nativity plays what starring roles did you take? Two giant men play the Archangel Gabriel. This is, again, another Christmassy question. Maybe we need to not answer <laughs> this one, Matthew, because um, I literally did play the shepherd, though, in the Nativity um, the play, which is very much like, sort of like in MCU terms would be like, not even the Falcon. It would be like uh, one of those, in- uh, like the what's it called the um eternals characters basically i think i'm oh. basically the, the the shepherds are basically like sprites uh or that or that richard or richard madden do you know what i mean like uh, i think <laughs> it'd be a struggle did you, did you were you in the nativity play matthew
1: yeah i think i was a shepherd there's definitely a picture of me with like a headdress made from a tea towel which is probably more shepherd than three wise men <laughs> um i mean three wise men is like Like the staff of every magazine (laughs) for for for, for most of the eighties and nineties and noughties. So, Uh, did you do other school plays? Uh, Were you ever involved in amateur? Uh, uh, theatrics, dramatics, well, whichever one it is. <laughs> well, I did drama in um,
0: in sort of like uh, secondary school, but it didn't really amount to like a play we did live. I sort of did things, we did like bits of Blue Remembered Hills where it was all about who could mm-hmm. do the best West Country accent, basically. And then <laughs> at the end, you um, trap a boy who can't walk in into a barn and then so he burns to death because I don't know <laughs> uh, young people coming of age I guess I never really got the point of Blue Amendment Hills to be honest but um <laughs> slammed there um but <laughs> uh, what about you Matthew were you a bit more of a into that stuff Well,
1: we did school yeah we, we did school plays I was a uh, Lord Capulet in Romeo and Juliet which is very much the kind of um <laughs> you know Bobby Kotick of of Romeo and Juliet <laughs> that was pretty good uh I was the Undertaker in Oliver the musical oliver twist the undertaker who no one ever knows because the undertaker song isn't in the film but he does have a song
0: oh that's tough so you're like the basically the the b-side no one knows about it when that
1: comes on yeah well that was the play where my wife was now semi-famous person alexa chung
0: oh right oh okay what you went to school with alexa Alexa
1: yeah she was she was yeah i was married to her in the school play wow we sang a song together about funerals (laughs) Whenever I see her I always think Oh we sung that song together about funerals I wonder if she remembers that <laughs> How has it never come up that you went to school with Alexa Chung That's uh... oh, I don't know I often think if I ever like encountered her in public You know like she might not remember me But then I think I wonder if she remembers me If I sung some bars of that song about funerals at her Or if she'd <laughs> just have me arrested Because the song was called That's Your Funeral Which if you shout at a celebrity You'd probably get like instantly beaten down <laughs> that must be
0: like uh i uh, she would remember you though because uh, you know you just do remember secondary school don't you like yeah, that well, stuff you'd that's hope stuff. so. That stuff jams in your memory. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: maybe we'll get her on as a guest.
0: <laughs> I just I, for some reason just maybe picture like some kind of Hello magazine photo shoot where you were her actual husband and like there's just like Alexa at home with Matthew and it's like oh our kids well, on the cards that kind of stuff. I, you know, I did,
1: I did once. So I once appeared uh, randomly in Heat magazine because oh, yeah. Heat had a story about, look how uncool Alexa Chung was at school in this production of Oliver, (laughs) because they had pictures of it. There were obviously pictures of me as well. And I remember thinking, like, that wasn't an uncool production. It was a great production of Oliver, you fools at Heat magazine. The Hampshire oh, yeah. Chronicle said it was awesome <laughs> The Hampshire Chronicle, it's like you weren't there um, You
0: weren't there, like, oh, look what a dweeb And you're like, well Did she know, yeah. end up on telly while you were at school?
1: Did, did that happen? No, like afterwards, Cause okay. I remember when, when she left She was like, I'm going to be a model And we were like, oh, that's probably not going to happen And she started being in an adverts And then she was on Pop World and we were like, oh, well, there you go <laughs> fair, fair, fair play Fair, fair play. <laughs> yeah, fair enough Did you go to school with anyone else famous
0: or uh, no. is that pretty much it?
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much it
0: I, was to, I went to school with a guy who um tormented someone hanging them out of a window and then um, trying to drown them in a bathtub he went to prison though it's not quite oh. as um yeah uh not quite as Was uh, he in cameras. Heat Magazine? He was not but he was in the portsmouth news um a little photo of him outside the crown court great stuff really um <laughs> gives you a little snapshot of my life in uh in uh hampshire so yeah
1: very, very different teenage groups we ran with.
0: The, yeah, the dark side of Hampshire, like it, you know, it's like in Ladybird, Bird, there like there's literally just uh, the side of the tracks that sort of like Ladybird lives in. The Cersei Ronan character lives in the rough side, and the Timothy Chalamet, I think, is from the posh side. That's 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 like us. That's like us, basically, Matthew. Like you were in the posh bit mm. of Hampshire, and I was in the uh, the bumpy part of Hampshire that no one wants to talk about. Uh, what were we doing on this podcast? Okay, I hope that answers your
1: questions about school plays. Yeah, very good. All right, let's get let's get some video games content in this podcast okay this one's from graham s i've just received my annual performance review from all
0: the major console platforms detailing the hours i've spent and all my many achievements how many hours do you think you spent playing games last year how much time preparing and recording the pod was it time well spent for you thank you for all of it i'm very glad the time i spent with the pod this year i know this sort of thing gets said a lot but a good pod in your ear helps us all get through good times and bad so it's appreciated more than you realize thank you very much uh i did go kind of go through this and um It was actually like some of the stats were quite sad. I realized I didn't play my Switch nearly as much as I hoped I would last year. The PS5 one, I did something like, I think I did... 250 hours on ps5 and i wanted it actually because some people were posting like 600 hours on one platform and i thought oh did i play as much as many games as anyone else as everyone else last year and i don't know maybe i did maybe i didn't like a lot of it is for the podcast a lot of it is kind of like sampling stuff so we can talk about them and what we've been playing episodes but then you know many of the hours get sunk on the likes of you know uh, playing final fantasy 16 was a big chunk of my year last Mm. year for example what about you matthew
1: The only one I took a snapshot of was I did five hundred and six hours on PlayStation. I must have done I don't know, four hundred hours on Switch probably. Wow. You played loads more than me last year then. I put loads and loads of time into Tears of the Kingdom. And then Fire Emblem. Yeah, lots of you know, lots lots of big games that I played endlessly yeah xbox i i don't know if i played my xbox more than 10 hours last year sorry xbox Uh,
0: so i remember actually my switch one was like you got four forty-two 42 hours of pikmin 4 you got uh 28 (laughs) hours of tears of the kingdom and then like i think it was eight hours of fire emblem uh, (laughs) whichever the fire emblem was last year um what is it last year i can't remember now engage yeah yeah from Fire Emblem gauge from last year so um yeah like that, that was pretty much it but uh, i don't know if i'll play more or less this year your hours on ps5 though very impressive but there's maybe some
1: work stuff in there matthew i don't know but um 80 hours of that was final fantasy 16 yeah um so that made up a chunk and yeah i think i played some other things but yeah yeah okay fair enough all right then do you want to read this next what about one hours I spent go- do- doing the podcast Oh, uh, oh. How many hours do you? How many hours do you do like per episode outside of the recording time? Gosh, it really depends on the episode.
0: Um, I suppose like you know, sort of at the moment, I'm playing like a little bit of Marvel's Midnight Suns, a little bit of Yakuza Like a Dragon, and uh, you know some other bits and pieces as well. Mm. Um, I played a bit of Assassin's Creed Nexus, for example, and those I guess are all going towards the pod in some way. I probably would right, normally just play one game at a time. Um, so that's a way the pod's changed my behavior, I guess, is I want to talk about a few things on what we've been playing. So I'm like, well... If I have two or three hours of each of these, then I'm, you know, I'm not reviewing them, but I am like, I can give a, a credible uh, account of my experience playing them. But you know, there are other episodes like this one where I didn't. <laughs> as is probably self evident, I didn't do any preparation for it, Matthew. So, um, and then there's like, then there are episodes like the God of War ranking we did, where I did fucking tons of playing that game, yeah. and you know, Tears of the Kingdom, I played 24 hours of that. Starfield episode, I played a similar amount, and the, um, you know, uh, yeah, like, I, yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably about. 30 to 40 percent of my playing time is linked to the pod in some way probably more than that actually but um and yeah. that's
1: why you shouldn't cancel your patreon pledges
0: <laughs> yeah so it really it really varies but i'd say like per episode like you're probably looking at about i don't know a, a, like two hours prep minimum for a podcast because you know hmm. i make the, i make the plan and there's yeah that you have, you'd have to think of the idea if there's a guest i have to think of questions sometimes i put like a full you know like afternoon into coming up with questions for a guest like hopefully that comes across and the questions we do ask that are reasonably thoughtful yeah, so that is all sam that's
1: never me because i'm lazy <laughs> <an easy> shit
0: <laughs> matthew contributes to the podcast in other ways he brings the cult he brings the cult appeal that gives it its magic you know he's um, he's a special source so uh
1: <laughs> yeah uh,
0: what about you matthew anything more to say on that one
1: no there you go enjoy your dose of special sauce (laughs) (laughs) great i feel
0: enriched uh do you want to read this next one from angry Kurt?
1: what arguments discussions make your eyes roll whenever they come up i'm thinking about whether pineapple belongs on a pizza and whether die hard is a christmas movie the type of questions which are fun the first time they come up but maybe then become a bit boring Another one I want to throw into the mix: discussions around what's the best gaming controller. I just think it's the most pointless argument because it all boils down to the size of your hands and how you like to hold things. Too right. Uh, Apologies for the partial rant. That's the politest rant I've ever heard. It's very tame that rant. Very
0: sort of (laughs) very PG. I'd maybe just say you. It's very you that uh, rant. It's
1: yeah. Oh, we all know it comes down to the size of your hands. So shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> that's really funny
0: it's like no pineapple on pizza you cock it's not like he said that you know that would have made the, the tone of it quite different uh, gosh I don't know I would say like most conversations when they come up I'm like done with like is X a Christmas movie like you know that's sort of like
1: uh, I just I don't really engage with that, to be honest. Um, it's not always questions. It's sometimes just takes. that, Like, the one that gets me is someone going, do you think Michael Caine's best performance was Muppet's Christmas Carol? <laughs> or Michael Caine brings a certain level of sophistication to this, which really makes it work. It's like, I am so done with Muppet's Christmas Carol takes or opinions.
0: Yeah, because I think, like, there's so much Twitter content every year about Muppet Christmas Carol, isn't there? And I really noticed it this year because... I did watch it, and I know, Matthew, I don't know if you want to share your frustrations, but you had quite a funny rant to me about Muppet Christmas Carol, how it sort of, like, has stuck in the public consciousness, even though maybe it it shouldn't, or, I don't know.
1: Um, No, I just think it... it it amused me when I was eight, and I'm happy to leave it back there. When I watch it, that's what I remember. Like, I like this when I was eight. It isn't really... It isn't my cup of tea. I don't want to cast shade on anyone who does like it in adulthood, because it turns out from my Twitter feed, it's fucking everyone, so...
0: Yeah, I would say that one, actually, that came up in the Discord, is, like, people who go and discover Uncharted now then complain about old Uncharted. That really annoys me. It's like... <laughs> It's like, yeah. Guess what? Uncharted Four is better than the rest because the others were made years ago when, like the the logic of this like genre of games or the subgenre of third person shooters with set pieces was being figured out in real time by the people making them. Do you know what I mean? Like this, and so yeah. people are like, oh, I actually think that uh, Uncharted Two isn't very good. And I'm like, well, what do you, do you want to fucking medal? Do you know what I mean? Like what are we doing here? So there's a yeah. <laughs> that's I, kind of my approach to that
1: one. But yeah, but Charles Martinet is kind of the human embodiment of this question, right? Because He, he's a man, he only has five anecdotes because he only really gets asked five things, you know, very specifically about like how he got the job, how he came up with the voice of Mario, how he came up with the voice of Wario. And so I've heard him do word for word that spiel so many times that I just, I just, I'd scream if I, if, if, if I heard it again coming from his mouth in person, I'd scream in his face and say, don't, just don't tell me this. I do not want to hear it.
0: He's taken so many drive bys from you on this podcast, Charles. Martin, <laughs> it's out of control, really.
1: I know, uh, um, and it's like hes, he's not even there anymore. You know, we just don't have to like think on him anymore. So, <laughs> oh, I've got another one actually, which is oh, yeah. <laughs> like
0: people who take Doctor Who really seriously on <laughs> social media and then talk about it like it's an empire rising and falling. And I'm like, that is—that is a kids show you're talking about. Like, I know that people have been watching it since they were young and it means a lot to them but still i think that people talking about doctor who like it's the center of television you know what i mean like people who don't watch succession but talk about doctor who like that that i just i'm a bit like i just can't really be doing with it so Yeah, I'm just like, oh, finally a course correction from the... I feel like people complained about the Moffat years, then they complained about the guy after the Moffat years, and, like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, like, people have been complaining about... It's not been good by most people's criteria for, like, 14 years, and I'm like, ugh. So that's one that does my head in. I'd rather read football tweets than... Doctor Who tweets, which is saying something. Really, um, I do like seeing Man United fans lose their mind. I have nothing against them, but it's just quite funny because it's broken their brains that they're not good. Um, that's pretty much it, though, Matthew. I don't hate the Uncharted one is
1: the main gaming one, though. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's true. But you are yeah. you are all right, angry Kurt. You know, yeah. no more pineapple on pizza chat. Come on. <laughs> okay, good.
0: It's from Zach. It's just playing Sackboy's Big Adventure, which I think completely rules. But unless it was an undigested crumb of cheese, there's a level with Uptown Funk as the soundtrack, with the scenery half-hardly hopping in time. It really sucks. It has nothing to do with the level, or the game, or anything, and presumably cost a lot of money. Anyway, what are your favourite music faves, uh, licensed music faves and failures? Extra points for deep cuts. Are there any licensed music examples? I mean, like, obviously, GTA does this better than anyone else, right? Like the, you know... Sort of Billie Jean at the start, which now I think when you play Vice City because you know they don't have Billy Jean anymore, they have like Blondie I think plays instead. So
1: um, uh. still,
0: still pretty good. You could play so many '80s tracks at the start of Vice City, and it would like blow your head off. Like, i got to say, one of my favourite 80s songs, it's in Vice City Stories, actually, is Easy Lover by Phil Collins. What a fucking banger that is. That's so good. So, yes. But, uh, yeah, Matthew, anything spring to mind here? Uh, This
1: this is is why we normally prep for these, because I'd have been able to have a good old think and come up with some really great examples. Off the top of my head, I can't remember what songs they were, so it sounds like bullshit that i think these were good but i i really liked the musical titles to each episode of tales from the borderlands they used to do those kind of like montages set to songs which i can't remember but i remember thinking they were good there's like that i need a hero saints row one right that was pretty good and uh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like it and it's not maybe it doesn't count as like licensed music as such but i, I do like you know when you deploy a great bit of classical music Little King's Story uses Bolero really well to kind of capture the tone, to set the whole vibe of the game. Yeah, and I've always loved games that use Claire de Lune, like uh, The Evil Within, where they use that for the save room. And whenever you hear that, you're just like, oh, thank Christ, it's Claire de Lune. I'm going to be able to save and not die and go back to the game over screen. Also, Claire de Lune, uh, a kind of remix of it, is used in Sayonara, World Hearts. a really great bit of music for sort of sliding along some magical space roller coaster or whatever it is you're doing in that game that was really cool those those stick out as good good music moments those are those are those are definitely decent
0: i think that um i just remembered that bit in call of duty black ops where sympathy for the devil plays and i think that one works because it is preposterous you are going up and down a river blowing up like um huts basically <laughs> right, like, yeah <laughs> but i think that why it works is because you hadn't heard it. You hadn't heard Call of Duty do anything like that before, and I think that it's not something you would have had in the modern warfare games. I would say that tonally, it's something that it was quite Black Ops. I would say the tone of that, um, but it definitely like stood out as like, uh, oh right, that's you know. That's kind of like, I ju- it, 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 you know, years later, I've only played that game once, and it really um, really has stayed with me, so um, mm. that's good. Obviously, like, Bioshock uses um, licensed music well. Beyond the Sea probably being the most notable one, where you're like, oh, you know, nothing sets the scene better than that, and yeah, there's um, there's a few more cases of that. There's um, the man who sold the world uh, mid-year version in um, MGS5, The Phantom Pain, as well. I think that plays when Snake awakes in from the coma in, in that game, so... That that plays before quite a, you know a tense sequence, so you're going through a hospital and loads of mm. dudes are being killed, basically. So, yeah, a few that jump out there, Matthew. And oh, yeah. um, what about uh, that
1: coconut song from Alan Wake on the jukebox?
0: <laughs> Alan Wake has loads of good ones. So, I mean, yeah, this is like the a Remedy specialty. I don't know. Is there much licensed music beyond uh, *Poets the the Fallen* um *Alan Wake* too, Matthew? I'm not sure, but um, it
1: does. It, yeah, the ch- the chapters end with songs that I think were written for the game rather than. Cuts from elsewhere, like they've all got lyrics by Sam Lake, kind of wistful, sort of indie pop that plays at the end of chapters yeah um, so same vibe but not as like instantly recognizable
0: a couple of chapters i completed in that game they don't de- yeah i thought the music was decent and that's probably just a way to get around the licensing headaches yeah and i think that was like a big problem for alan wake was just that you know it had like roy orbison depeche mode and all these artists and it was a really they're really nice uh ways to end the chapters but expensive to renew i guess so yeah um mm-hmm. okay
1: next one then dear podcast boys You have been entrusted with the Muppets license and must give one video game franchise the Muppets treatment, i.e. replace the cast with Muppets, save for one character who remains unchanged, like the incredibly sophisticated Michael Caine performance. (laughs) That was me adding that. (laughs) <laughs> um, that's what we call a callback. Which franchise do you pick and who remains unmuppetized? All the best, Nige. Damn,
0: that's like a video game franchise. In my head, I started picturing the film Anatomy of a Fall, but only the sun remained human and the rest of them were Muppets. And then <laughs> that's quite a traumatising performance for that young man. Um, I
1: think actually Anatomy of the Fall is more traumatic if everyone's a Muppet except from the body that fell. <laughs> So it's just Muppets having to deal with a very real human body.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh I don't know I don't know if there's anything that would be improved by Muppets. Our listeners certainly seemed excited by this question though, Matthew, so I do want to engage with it on some level, I guess. Yeah. Um come on, yeah. what's what's a great yeah. I suppose uh, if you uh, did like gone.
1: Gone. on like Go a, a, a Muppet Phoenix right would be quite good. That's good. I like that. Who would be human? The judge. Because <laughs> then it's like a judge presiding over a puppet court and he's just like, oh, this is ridiculous. These already <laughs> ludicrous cases are made even more so by the fact that it's puppets
0: yeah that's a really good answer actually i like that
1: it's like yeah funny there were more sort of
0: silly games to sort of tap into there um, i think like um i think sort of like a mass effect came to mind a little bit because i thought about if commander <laughs> shepherd was human but you had to like romance the muppets and then it's like <laughs> it's like miranda muppet and like tally muppet and they're like you know, you got to pick the one you think is hottest. How cursed would that be? I think that's um, that's quite good.
1: Um, I think, are there? I'm, probably, like, I'm yeah. trying to think if in Muppets Christmas Carol there are. Um, I think it is implied there are Muppets who are like married to humans. Uh, I don't know if it like strictly comes up.
0: I think there's just there's just like an ambiguity that hangs in the air of how the Muppets <laughs> and the humans coexist. It should because... come up, and Scrooge should be like disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't <laughs> be allowed. Well, that's the thing, he's not the only human in the film. There's flashbacks with other characters, right? But, like, yeah. uh, in fact, he's, he's got his, like... Is he, like, his nephew or something as well in the... Uh, yeah, oh, he's oh. married to yeah. a human. And obviously yeah.
1: Scrooge is the way he is because a, a human a human left him in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah. And presumably he didn't go to school with, like, humans and other Muppets because it flashes well, back. He, like well, he
1: did. his teacher was... it's the It's the stern bird, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah so yeah, a lot of questions there not many answers so uh yeah but we have an answer each there matthew someone suggested the last of us except all the uh, all of them are muppets apart from joel i
1: mean, that's just too, i can't That's just so dour i can't i can't quite imagine it what about yakuza and everyone's everyone's a muppet i guess except kiru or maybe except Ma- uh, majima that'd be quite good that is good yeah because I think you need to keep it a fair fight otherwise it's just
0: a man beating the shit out of some Muppets and that'd be quite, <laughs> yeah. e- quite easy fights you know um, but yeah or it could be like you know the sort of uh, <laughs> you know one of them becomes incredibly buff or something like uh, by surprise you know like what would be the Mr. Shakedown Muppet for example how big would that Muppet be you know um, that'd be like the big lad um, the big lad sort of like ghost in Muppet Christmas Cow who's like sort of like looks a bit like Gimli but is like six foot yeah, tall yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah Anyway, lots It'd, of things. It'll about definitely there. be him. Or um or they're all Muppets apart from like one of the very aging Japanese actors who plays like one of the older Yakuza. So <laughs> like they're all there apart from Beat Takeshi, yeah. Beat Takeshi, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that's a good I like that choice, yeah. Um that makes me want to see Sonatine with Muppets as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a Japanese crime classic. Um, Nige actually posted two days later to say, my Muppet's choice would be Mass Effect 2 because I love the idea of a Muppet suicide mission with Beaker dying in the vents, which is actually like a great uh, a great image. Better than I could do,
1: um, so well done. That's good. Um, I-, I feel like Nige planted that question because he knew he had a killer answer waiting waiting in the wings.
0: Yeah, MGS2 is also a good shout because like the different bosses you'd encounter, if you did have like Human Snake or Raiden or like... I don't know. Just uh, there's there's quite a few like Oticon could be human and Snake could be a muppet and he has to kind of like lead him around and guard him. That could be quite good. Um, And then you just meet the members of Dead Cell and it's like you know Fortune and she's got like the electric cannon, but it's a muppet. Might be quite good. But uh... (laughs) okay, okay. Next question is from Dynamic Calories, dear lads of overwhelming mass. You both put in a shift as editors and thus will have carefully honed an axe with which to chop out certain words and phrases you find annoying or repetitive. Currently I can't help but see the term buttery smooth popping up in every other review as if everyone's been paid off by big frame rate slash big dairy. What words (laughs) or phrases got your goat during your time as editors and have any new bugbears emerged in your time as readers? Cheers to all the pods and a happy new year to you both. Um, Gosh. If another of these games' squad entries says a print the princely sum of I would like I will di- like does anyone know what princely sum is? Does anyone can anyone explain that? If you can't explain it, you should be using it. But everyone's just heard it, so they keep saying it. Um when I was an editor, like the I mentioned this before, but like a long time ago, but the document, the the Play magazine review template said, Do not put like war her, what is it good for us, your strap line for a war game because it's really hackneyed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see sort of like uh I see quite a f- I still see quite a few um terms that sort of like annoy me. But um I don't know. I think like it I, I think maybe uh, yeah, I what about you Matthew? What comes to mind for you here?
1: Uh yeah, I was trying to think back to the style guides and what was what was banned by Previous editors, you you definitely shouldn't ever say sm- Smogger's <laughs> Oh yeah, totally elated Smogger's Yeah. <laughs> that was that was one. That was death. I don't know. The thing is, I, I work with so few writers actually. Like it, it as as editor, like I had such a sort of chosen few and staff that didn't really change. That they are all pretty good, and I don't think we we used people who turned to hackneyed phrases. I'm probably use more of these phrases than anyone else. I say buttery smooth all the fucking time in video scripts i'm so lazy when it comes to buttery smooth so apologies dynamic calories
0: yeah that's pretty much all that springs to mind though like yeah smorgasbord i kind of like uh, i do agree but um i think there are some that i think like generally when people are describing um frame rates or or that kind of thing, or I think I think you can just sort of get into the weeds of like there's only a few terms that people use to describe this one thing, and therefore you can what? end up with the same few phrases over and over again.
1: What was the What was the headphones one?
0: Oh yeah, sweet cans that came up on PC Gamer <laughs> so many times with like headset reviews like pair of cans or this like because you don't want to just say headphones over and over again so cans ends up like that came up a lot and it still does because i get it like if you're reviewing that if you're reading that stuff that's fine um i think generally though hardware reviews are like their own kind of like minefield of different terms and so like and just like their own sort of hell of cliches yeah someone in someone in our discord mentioned compelling as one that's got as a kind of like meaningless word it's like saying the word interesting i suppose without explaining what you mean by interesting but uh I don't sometimes know.
1: things can be compelling though you're compelled to play onwards
0: yeah that is true so uh I mean, yeah it's
1: not it's not my fault <laughs> uh, there's uh, I, uh yeah and like you say like a minefield around hardware there's there's like a whole industry of cliches around star wars that you have to be really careful with. All your forces strong in this one and all that kind of bollocks. There's certain things where they've got a big pop culture footprint, you are drawn towards using NAF references. Like every time we mention Indiana Jones on this podcast, I inevitably make a no-tickets joke. Oh yeah, that was
0: last week, wasn't it, that one? That yeah, was like, like yeah, always... Yeah. i would
1: find a way to cram that into text as well because i'm that lazy
0: yeah i sort of like uh yeah i don't know i don't I haven't really seen this in games media but like you know the sort of like i think like thanos snap actually the term thanos snap i see in a lot of writing like that oh. I'd like oh like you know just like the idea maybe i see this more on social media but you know ever since they thanos snapped this away maybe maybe oh. i even hear it on podcast but like i think that's interesting because it's it's a it's a you know, maybe the last monocultural moment. Everyone kind of like knows what the Thanos
1: snap is, right? Like, it it's was... tricky though because it shouldn't be used as a shorthand for just vanishing because it only vanishes away half of everything. Yeah. So, and like, I'm going to be like one of those assholes who goes around telling people they're using decimating wrong. Like, <laughs> well, actually, it means to reduce by ten. It's like actually, it means to reduce by half. It doesn't just mean to get rid of it. So, <laughs> mm, I think but also,
0: <laughs> it only it only affects life forms as well. So it's not like you can Thanos snap away every copy of, like, Die Hard Trilogy 2. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not how it works. Like, it's got to be... A like, living... That's an
1: entirely different wish that he makes.
0: Yeah, it's like you took away slugs. You know what I mean? Like, half of the slugs are gone now. Do you know what I mean? It's... Half of the slugs. <laughs> okay, we struggled with that one a little bit, but um, I think we came up with some good answers in the end, Matthew. Yes. Um, do you want to read
1: this next one from Dominic? Hi, both, and Happy New Year. Which games do you think you are most proficient at? Some games journalists say they don't get the chance to play any one game for long enough to reach a high skill level. Do you agree, or are there any games where you're proud of the level of mastery you've achieved? Competitive online games can be very humbling when they rank you against all the world's players, and I know you're not particularly into those. But I'd be interested to hear your self-assessment of single-player titles too. Yeah, hmm. I don't, that's kind of like a kind of bunch of questions combined there, because there's like, a... well, like, is there any game? Let's 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 go with what I think is the most interesting bit of this, which is, is there any game you consider yourself to be particularly good at? Yeah, I'm fucking great at Sekiro.
0: Like, and I could pick it up tomorrow mm. and I could remember all of the for, the for the main bosses in that game, not all of the sub bosses. I could remember I have the muscle memory to be like beat 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 for like um every single like parry you do in that game basically because it is about a game of like memorizing the the base, the rhythm of the parries. So, that's a game that I thought I you know, I didn't I did new game plus twice. That's pretty that's pretty good um sort of like you know thing to sort of boast about i guess in terms of like games i've actually finished so that Mm -hmm. jumps out i think apex legends I got pretty good at actually like in the pandemic as well there was i got my got my kill death ratio pretty high i was really really good at like turning up to a firefight and actually like you know sort of like taking apart enemies I, i got out of the headspace of Oh, I'm so I'm so frazzled because someone just appeared out of nowhere and started shooting. I actually, started to like get used to so used to that situation that I became quite cool headed and decent at it. So mm. that has happened. But then I'll be we'll, I will be humbled over and over again by you'll have one win and you'll get booted up into a league where you're just getting completely fucked up, basically. So um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a real,
1: bit of a mixed bag. What about you, Matthew? Very few games. I'm definitely much better at Minesweeper than most people are. <laughs> um, well, when I was at university, I could I could play Minesweeper pretty fast. Not like, if you're a competitive Minesweeper person or going for world records, you're obviously much, much better. But given that it's a game a lot of people are like, I don't even know how to play that. I feel like I could, that that's the only game where I've played where I've heard someone be audibly impressed by how good I was at it. Holy shit, you're fast at Minesweeper. So that's basically it. <laughs> Every other game, I'm as good as I need to be. I got pretty good at... Tony hawk pro skater 4 back on gamecube that's the only game i ever score high enough in high score mode that i could have sent it into ngc used to have leaderboards that they print in the magazines and that's the only time i had something which would have would have got me onto that leaderboard so that's something yeah that's not bad at all i, I think mm. the thing is as well like
0: um games are more and more you know the the intent of them is not necessarily to be challenging right or to be mastered in some way or you know if if they are if they are like the learning curve can be a bit gentler i mean of all the games that we played for the game of the year episode for example like um, final fantasy 16 had has a bunch of like cheats to get around you having to engage with the combat like it is playing bayonetta or something like um mm. you know moves that basically like, do loads of damage and and like you know no animations can take place while they're happening things like that whereas games like cobalt core and pizza tower which is you know were on my list like they they do require a higher level of skill and i like i guess what i'm saying is i like having a mix of games that have that high skill ceiling and those that don't i can i'm happy to accommodate both in my gaming diet you know what i mean it's not about mastery but it's also not 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 about mastery you know
1: yeah sure
0: Yeah, okay, good. Probably got time for one more, Matthew, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay, so... If you guys had to choose only one food to eat every day for the rest of your lives, what would it be? That's some raspberry brain. Well, I do eat what sits every day, so um, it will just have to be what sits. I'm afraid. I get through so many fucking bags of that that I get. I got mocked about it when I was at Frontier by my colleagues because um, it's preposterous. Just um, I'm like, yep, not had my three bags a day yet. Um, that eighty calories a bag, but um, I've got a problem. I don't know what to tell you really, uh, Matthew. What
1: about you? When you said eat what sits every day, I, that Snoop Dogg thing popped into my head. <laughs>
0: Very good, yes.
1: Um, well, we've I... already explained it's going to be those three biscuits that I chose every day forever. <laughs> Isn't that the deal? Yes. So, it's... digestive, Jaffa Cake, <laughs> and Hobnobs. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, last... I, actually, I genuinely think I could, like right now, just because I'm like early on in my relationship with it uh, and it hasn't soured, I genuinely think I could eat uh, LJ Hugs chicken and rice every day.
0: Uh, yeah, wow, that LJ Hugs has really jammed itself into your consciousness. It's a big like winter pick for, you know, Matthew Castle this one.
1: I would have been able to eat the old JC's kitchen every day. That chicken and bubble and squeak was just absolutely divine. But Yeah, he's not interested in doing that anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or indeed being open in Bath, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's difficult. Um, (laughs) Yes, LJ Hugs, I've not had the rice, the the rice thing though, what's the deal with that? Is it just like a pile of meat and rice,
1: basically? Is that what it does? Yeah, it's just the chicken, it's just the chicken box. You can have it with rice, chips, or half rice, half chips. I often have that. I just wanted to say rice so that people thought I was not eating chips every day in this this imagined future. Yeah, is that
0: true though? You're not eating chips every day.
1: Like I'm not Mr. Chips. <laughs> you know to, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not the guy, not the the guy, guy from, from Catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, no, not him. I'm not. Well, I'm not him. Also, but I'm also not more casually Mr. Chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in general, Matthew is not Mr. Chips. Um, yeah, like in if, a larger if, sense. Like if there are people are like, oh my, you remember that advert? Was it Daddy or Chips? Oh yeah, yeah. Like well, Very very different connotations these days, that one. Well, like, yeah, I'd definitely pick Daddy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I okay. in, I would rather have my father than chips. Yeah. I don't love chips so much that... Like, there are other foods which would be better for me. If you were, like, Daddy or LJ Hugs, <laughs> you know, or, like, Daddy or lasagna... <laughs> Stop then I'd be saying like, Daddy. I
0: just can't... I
1: can't listen to you saying right. Daddy anymore. If there, if there was an advertising campaign that was Father or lasagna... <laughs> But that's i might like pick my father that's always too lasagna. tame and strange
0: isn't it like uh <laughs> <father or lasagna>. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a, a sounds like a garfield comic strip that one father or lasagna <laughs> <laughs> or maybe i could eat lasagna every day actually you got a bit of like you actually do the tomatoes give you vitamin c and as lasagna probably not after you fucking put it in the oven for like you know two hours or whatever but uh yeah theoretically a lasagna i could probably have a slab of that every day oh, i love a, I i love a good lasagna yeah but i can never make i can never bother to make one so it would need to be provided for me in order for me to to eat it so uh yeah okay yeah. good um all right so next last question then so this last question is from jess we can good morning giant lads i'm a long-time listener and a big fan and i'm hugely thankful for the wonderful media you've exposed me to uh <laughs> quick shout out there to uh, the last of sheila um i think um matthew <laughs> a classic that you've passed on to our listeners question if you found yourselves being hunted by a murderer in a dark stormy and christy slash um ayat esque uh, secluded setting how would you go about surviving so i think it would be fun matthew if like As as, as well as explaining survival, what would the setting be? Because I think you would think about that as much as the actual,
1: like, survival part of it. I don't want to, like, pick apart this question. Right. But you don't necessarily get hunted by a murderer in these books. Christie isn't writing, like, Scream. It's not like there's the first murder and then a bloke's running around offing people. It's like, if anything, once the murder's happened, everyone's kind of safe. It's, it's sort of a flaw with the structure of these books. The tension instantly goes out and you're just about solving them. But let's put that aside and say we <laughs> were being chased around an Aetsuji-esque secluded setting, so that references uh, one of the great Japanese crime writers wrote the Dekagen House Murders, where the Dekagen House famously... Well, it's a house in the shape of a Dekagen. So yeah,
0: <laughs> the, um, the front cover of that is like when my brain like dials up Matthew Castle and there's like some floating images around your name. That the cover of that book is like one of those images of <laughs> say. Okay, that's good. Um, I'm glad to be associated with that. <laughs> Next to
1: Father or Lasagna now. No, you know that's, <laughs> that's Father Lasagna. and geez, <laughs> decking has murders. So if I was being hunted, how would I go about surviving? I mean, really, like the, the way to survive a murder mystery novel is to, is to never have given anyone a reason to murder you. Yeah, you know, which I know it's a bit of a boring answer, but it's like living a good life, not crossing anyone.
0: Right? Okay, so that's like a morality lesson, really.
1: Well, like there has to be like you only get murdered if there's a motive. Like these books, it's never just someone got murdered just for the hell of it. Okay, maybe you can get murdered by a maniac who imagines a slight. I'm generalising here, but if I think across, uh, you know, along the kind of course of my life, there's no one who I think, oh, I've I've been enough of a dick that it would warrant them murdering me or that if they murdered me people would be like, Oh, that makes sense, you know? <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I realised I didn't really answer the question, but I um you I know, think... hide under a bed. <laughs> I, I think
0: I think that like um I think I would sort of like try and create a lot of a lot of slippy surfaces. Because I think that like the number one thing that frightens me uh, as a man in his mid thirties is a a harsh fall. Like it that scares right. me much, that scares me much more now than the idea of like someone shooting me in the head, you know what I mean like it's because it's far more likely to happen, and like it's just as likely to kill me honestly because there's so much of me that I just me clattering down because of like a slippy bit of pavement on like a, a rainy day yeah. it's like is like a genuine threat to me, so let's assume that the murderer um is uh, has like a similar build because they're trying to kill me, I'm a large dude if it was like you know, a very small man, I think I could overpower him quite easily, you know, just by the sort of, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, taking the weapon off of him, kicking him in the shins, holding me at a distance uh, while he, like, tries to windmill me, like in a cartoon. That would also be good. Um, So, yeah, so I do a lot of, like... (laughs) I think a lot of, like, creating oil slicks around the sort of environment, you you know? I
1: think you're confusing the work of Aetsuji with Home Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I might be, actually. I think they've got a very different energy
0: yeah i think um as well like the i've had to pick a location there was like this i stayed in this big sort of spooky old house in the isle of Wight when i was a kid and i sometimes think about how strange it was it had like kind of like more like living quarters like it must have been like a school trip focus kind of place because like I had a lot of like six bunk beds in a room kind of thing and i'm like i don't know who would go to the isle of Wight and stay there on purpose who weren't like groups of kids and then all these like old school kind of like kitchen areas that felt like you were in a boarding school or something i think that would be a good environment for this so the axe murderer is chasing me around i'm creating oil slicks and at
1: home alone-esque mayhem that's my answer mm. to this question matthew actually the concept of like a, a, a locked room murder where the victim is a boy who has booby-trapped his house so you can't actually get to him, but he is somehow murdered. So, like, the Home Alone house, but Kevin McAllister, is dead in the heart of it, but all the traps remain untriggered. That's a pretty good setup for a uh, for a murder mystery. That's not bad. There you go.
0: There's a bit more meat on the bones to that answer, so that's good. <laughs> um, Matthew, is that it for us? I think it is, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah I think done. there was, like, I think 20% of that was video game content.
0: <laughs> okay good uh so all right well but that's yeah. on the
1: question askers i would say
0: yeah <laughs> i think so another shot of the listeners so yes basically what we're doing this year is we're having slightly shorter mailbag episodes and what we've been playing so the aim of keeping the podcast a, li- a tiny bit more sustainable i think we've mentioned this before but just uh mentioning it again here so we're gonna aim for like about about around like one hour with the uh with the uh, mailbag episodes So, we'll do this each month so by all means keep supplying us questions you can uh, get us at backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to email us questions, send us longer questions, that's fine. There's also a pod questions uh, channel in the Discord. You can reach the Discord from a link in both our Blue Sky and Twitter accounts
1: at Pod. Matthew, where can people find you on social media? On uh, Twitter, I am Basil underscore pesto and on Blue Sky, I'm pesto no underscore and no <laughs> content, so don't follow me there.
0: <laughs> Gets me every time you're reading that out. I'm Samuel W. Roberts and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye!